Hello and welcome to episode 34 at Track. At Track, our aim is to shine a light on the UK running club scene. This week on Track, we have a roundup from the British performances at the Tokyo Olympics. We discuss some upcoming events, including the Eugene Diamond League, the Big Half, Podium University Championships, and the newly released start list for some of the major marathons. We also have an in-depth interview with Phil Sessman, who will be making his marathon debut at London this October. As always, I'm joined by Kat Hutchison and George Beardmore. How are you doing, guys? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? Very good. How are you, Kat? Yeah, not bad. Good, good. Probably got a bit of a different in fortunes between you two guys. George, I know you've been doing lots of races and lots of running, and Kat, not so much. So we'll start with you, Kat. What's the latest with you? Yeah, so still still suffering with this knee injury since Offer's Dyke. Um, it's been very up and down. I have been doing a bit of running, but I keep doing stupid things. So the first time I got back running, I went for a walk on the Mulvans, which was great walking uphill and then turned to go down and realised it wasn't good. And But then obviously had to go all the way down. So my knee was re-injured. Then I went on a bike ride. I think that one was before um, we recorded last time and that re-injured it. And then this weekend I did the hammer throw at the league match and turns out you need you need quite a bit for hammer throwing so um so yeah it's re-injured again which is really frustrating I just want to be running again how did you go in the hammer competition I, I threw it 11.3 meters two right. no throws I think in practice I managed to whack the hammer into the ground <laughs> bounce it off but um <laughs> yeah I'm definitely I'm not a pro but yeah, I got one throw out the cage. So, and where did that get you in the uh, in the competition? First, second, yeah, third, yeah, yeah, I lost that. <laughs> I was lost. Some of these girls, like I was taught to throw it standing still and like swing it around your head and then throw. They start standing still and then they're spinning, they're spinning, they're spinning, and they throw it. I mean, I was falling out the circle just standing still trying to throw it. So, yeah, they were throwing it like 30, 30 metres or something. So. Right. So what is the long-term prognosis? Any idea on when you'll be back running? Uh, um, well, I can run now. I can run like three miles. I'm doing that a few times, like, you know, every other day, sometimes every day. But and it, the knee gets better all the time, and then I do something stupid to re-injure it. So... I'm I'm then to Telford 10k in December so that's kind of my goal and probably a spring marathon next year so I'm not in any rush to get back but it's just just really frustrating I don't think it will be anything long term once I just stop re-injuring it and mm. I just need to stop being an idiot I need my old mantra back again don't be an idiot um yeah. Well, well, uh, you mentioned spring marathon. We'll mention it a bit later, but it won't be London you'll be doing next April because we've heard that that will be again be an autumn marathon in 2022 and then back in the spring in 2023. Um, so it might be have to be what would be in the spring for you? Uh, Manchester, I think is yeah. that's kind of what I was I was going to do Manchester in October, so I'll probably enter Manchester. But yeah, seen a lot of unhappy people on social media about London being a autumn marathon again. Yeah, yeah I don't really get that because um, uh, it obviously means it, it then really clashes with the World Championships as well. 
which is yeah. that'll be late August. So you could do April, August. You're not going to do August, October. I want to thought of a couple yeah, might do. All but... the other majors are all at that time of year. I think Tokyo is the only one that's in February, and everything else is kind of autumn. So it just seems really, really weird. Yeah. They say you know it's not COVID because they're going to put on their biggest marathon yet in October and then can't do one in six months time it's a yeah it's a weird one I think it's a mistake I think they're ruining the everybody's spring marathon fun what was the reason given on all of the information that they let out I think it was covid but then everyone's just saying well how can you put on your biggest yet in October and six months later it won't be possible I think it's just they a money thing I think they don't want to invest the money in an April one in case it goes in case Covid gets bad again over the winter but hopefully it's just not too permanent you know one more year of October is fine but changing our whole running year just doesn't it doesn't seem right (laughs) well we will get into the start lists and what have you for this October's London Marathon in a bit George get us up to date with your running i know you've done quite a few races a few 1500 races the relays you've done you paced an old bloke to a ten thousand meter on the track as well so get us up to date with your running um yeah so done what two 1500s i think so still not quite broken four minutes i'm 404 twice um i think it's just seems to be destined not to break four for me. I've got tripped in the first one. Second one was really windy and we ran out. I think we ran 807 seconds too slow. So to run 404, to bring it back that much was actually quite good for someone who typically doesn't have a change of speed or change of gear. Or Yeah, so a bit frustrating. I still think if I got into a, a perfectly pace-maked um, race with better conditions, then I would be able to do it. But yeah, like I said, I think the last one pleased more than anything was just how I raced it. That despite going through 800 in like 216 when we want to be going in 208, and then I think I ran the last 600 in 131, 132, which for me is yeah pretty quick. So yeah, that was pretty good. Um, shame obviously not to get a 359, but other than that, it was a good race. And then last Sunday, so yeah, three four days ago, did. Um, the Leeds two mile road relays. So it's for the for the Midlands. It was an area match. Um, the England were there as well. Uh, British universities were there. The army or armed forces. Like I think there were seven teams in the end, or six or seven teams. Um, team came third. I was on the first leg, ran nine twenty for two miles. It was a bit of a hilly. Well, well it was two lap course at the Brownlee Centre in Leeds, and there was one pretty significant hilly flat. Um, so it wasn't perfect conditions. So I was pleased I ran two miles at like 14.35k pace, just under, um, on a pretty hilly course, bit of a windy day as well. So yeah, just good fun. Nice to be at a team event again. Obviously the road relays, haven't done them since October 2019, I presume now. So yeah, just nice to be in a team event again. Great stuff. And speaking of team events, have you got something coming up? fairly soon this weekend with Podium and the University Champs. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah, so it's the Bucks or British Universities Podium race. I'm not entirely sure how the like, scoring, see if there's a, a team winner as well and how it's scored, I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, there will be 
plenty of strong lateral runners there. I think on the start lists, probably three of the top five or something like that. Um, well, in the men's race anyway, will be Loughborough. Um, so yeah, looking forward to that. Um, never raced the podium. It always seems to be flat and fast. Conditions look pretty good. So yeah, looking forward to to giving it a go. For yeah, like I say, first time racing a podium. So Is it at that um, race track course. Yeah, yeah. I think oh. it's pretty much a K five laps. Um, it, yeah, yeah, it seems to be seems to be very quick. That looks good. It looks like good conditions for running a PB. Yeah, yeah. So, George, what is this normally? Where is this event normally held? And and is it just this year it's being held at podium? Is that right? I don't know. I don't think they normally do a, a road race of any type for Bucks. I just think because Bucks was for some reason cancelled this summer, Bucks Track and Field, it, they could have done it. They did all the other national championships, England championships, British championships, Europeans, Worlds. They did. They've managed everything, obviously, the Olympics as well. So why they cancelled Bucks, I don't really know. So I think it was just because, you know, a lot of the top runners, people like Tom Mortimer, have missed their last two years of of Bucks races. And, um, yeah, I just think the organiser thought, because it was cancelled for some reason, at least put some sort of university team race on. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea and maybe it will maybe it will stay for good as well. Great. So Chris Barnes, who we've interviewed a while ago now, who's the podium organiser, set it up in, in the sort of name of Bucks. Um, yeah. So top unis, you would expect, I'm just off the top of my head now, would be Loughborough, you'd expect, St. Mary's, Birmingham, uh, Leeds. Cambridge, Oxford would be good, yeah. Okay. And you've got this, the, you've only got the start list for the men's A race. Is that right? Who are some of the names to look out for there? Yeah, so I've, yeah, I've only got the start list for the race that I'm in, which is yeah, the men's a race so i think tom Walton is the the fastest in the field by quite some way he's run 13 39 i think on the road or he's run sub yeah 13 28 i think on my track and then roy leonard's loughborough as well he's run sub 14 um adam fogg the both in the ncaa he's the youtuber as well uh, he's not running for a university he's yeah fogged off um He's not, he's just clearly messaged Chris and said, can I race? Um, and he's in as well. So he's run sub-14. Um, so they're the, the three sub-14 runners. And then Dan Rackles run low 14s at podium before. Miles um, Clisham was at the weekend racing for racing at the relays and he ran, ran well. So he's there. Um, just trying to pick out any other names, but I think, Certainly, the, t- the main ones are, are Tom Mortimer, Roy Landon, and Adam Fogg. Um, yeah, so it should be a pretty, pretty high standard race. I think well, Tom will always go for it. He never, never doesn't go for it. So I'm sure he'll go out hard and see what he can run. Yeah, and there's obviously going to be female races as well, um, but those start lists haven't been released yet. Um, in terms of live streaming, George, we think there's going to be a stream, don't we, somewhere? We think so. I mean, I. I think Chris said there will be one, but he's also said we can do it on our Instagram as well if we want to. So I'll try and do a couple of the earlier races. There's four races in total, so I'll be I'll make sure I'm there really early anyway. Um, and then I'll give my phone or the Instagram to someone else from Loughborough that's in the C race, I think, and he said he'd film the A race for on our Instagram live. So right. either on our Instagram live, or I'm sure it'll be on normally on running live Facebook, isn't it? I think is the 
the normal place for podium. So either of those two. Great. So keep an eye on our Instagram live um, for timings and live race. That'll be Saturday evening, George. Is that right? Yes. So the, a, the men's A race is at half seven. The female A race is at seven. And then there's two races before at six and a half, six as well. Great stuff. Very good. Um, great. Okay. Well, um, another race that's going ahead this weekend, which I'm involved with, um, is the big half. And the big half is obviously a half marathon taking place uh, in London, and it takes in some of the London marathon course. So it starts off towards the Tower Hill area, um, goes over Tower Bridge at one point, and then finishes in Cutty Sark. So um, half marathon for me this Sunday. That's also being streamed on the BBC Red Button, um, and we got some start list names. So some of the big names in the women's um, race, Charlotte Perdue, who we didn't see at the Tokyo Olympics and the marathon, which we'll perhaps get onto in a bit. Samantha Harrison, who we've interviewed before, Naomi Mitchell, Natasha Cockrum, and Verity Ockenden, another friend of the show, and Hannah Irwin are perhaps the best or the biggest British names in that start, starting lineup for this weekend. In the men's side of things, um, a couple more previous interviews of ours sort of hit the, the list and Jake Smith, Johnny Miller, we've also got Mo Adan, Ollie Lockie, Josh Griffiths, Matt Klaus, Callum Johnson, Jamie Crow, Andrew Davis, who we've spoken to before, Doug Mooson, uh, Jack Rowe, and this week's interviewee, uh, Phil Sessman. So a good batch of British runners there. We should probably see some quick times, hopefully, George, if conditions are good in terms of weather. Yeah, yeah, I thought so. I think there's normally a few international names there as well. Um, so hopefully there might be. I don't know if these were just British start lists that were announced. But yeah, certainly should be pretty quick times, I think. Uh, well, yeah, Phil Sassman said he was definitely up for, well, just racing it and seeing where like his fitness was pre-London. And there's a lot of names in there, both men and women, that are racing London. So I'm sure they'll all be in good shape and just, yeah, looking forward to seeing where they are at this point with what six weeks to go I think is it yeah and previously we've seen um people like Bekele there haven't we and I think Chris yeah. Thompson's there and um because I think last year it was on or the year it last happened it was Bekele, Chris Thompson and Jake Smith on the men's podium yeah. so um yeah hopefully some fast times there Kat something good to look forward to on Sunday morning yeah really looking forward to this so I think with marathon runners like Natasha Cockrum, Charlotte Perdle, those you you get to see them race so rarely so it's always a real mystery what sort of shape people are in and this has just got all the big names in female distance running in you know British female distance running and we get to have a little preview of what sort of shape they're in before London so I'm really excited to see and also obviously excited to see how Verity Ockenden gets on in her second ever half marathon it will be Fun. it's been years since she's done one so it'll be really fun it's a seems like a good idea for her to have a go and you know got to keep checking if it's your thing yet um, <laughs> these longer distances but, but yeah I, I think it's really exciting it's almost as exciting as London and Charlotte Purdue Charlotte Purdue a point to prove do you think Kat? Yeah I think this will be really interesting um, I think she probably if I was any of the people left out of the marathon, like, you know, Johnny Mella, um, 
Bekele, Charlotte Perdue, all of those, I would have gone and run a marathon on a really nice, cool, flat course on roughly the same week and smashed it just to <laughs> just to prove a point <laughs> that that you could. But yeah, I, I'm guessing she'll have had that extra extra bit of motivation. So I expect to see her run well. Yeah. Absolutely. Whilst we're looking ahead to races, guys, before we have a look at the Olympics, let's just keep going with what's to come. Um, we've seen some London Marathon start lists announced as well, well, particularly from the British side of things. And some of those names are duplicated, as we've just mentioned. So London Marathon taking place on October the 3rd or 4th, so about six weeks' time. Um, again, in the women's, we've got Charlotte Perdue, Natasha Cochran, Rose Harvey, Naomi Mitchell, Helen Davies, and Samantha Harrison as probably the, the best British names. So Charlotte Perdue has the best PB out of those uh, six or seven ladies with a 2.25. Natasha Cochran, a 2.30. Rose Harvey, also 2.30, um, etc. In the men's side of things, again, we've got Johnny Meller, who's a 2.10 man. Um, again, fairly disappointing for him not to make the Olympics for different reasons. Erdan, Josh Griffiths, Charlie Holson, Andrew Davis, um, and, and a number of other names all between sort of 210, 215. Um, so another good batch of British runners at the London Marathon. George, who sort of catches your eye there, but also who catches your eye in some of the international um, entries there for the London Marathon start lists? Um, I think the, the two or well, two or three I'm most excited to to see a Charlotte Perdue, like we said, definitely your point to prove of the big half, but certainly at London, if she can yeah, show the selectors why she should have been in a marathon team and similar to Johnny Meller, I don't think the selectors made a mistake with Johnny Meller because that was they had no real choice. They couldn't pick him, but I'm sure he still wants to like come out and show that he's still one of the best, if not the best, British marathon runner at the moment, maybe just other than Callum Hawkins. Um, and I'm excited to see Mara Down as well, because that was his marathon debut at the trials. He was only just outside the standard. Um, it obviously wasn't an ideal course. They were talking about twist, whether it was twisty or you know, I think it was quite a windy day as well. So I think maybe in a, a stronger field at London with international fields, I think, yeah, I'm excited to see what he can run. Um, second marathon as well. So got that experience behind him which is yeah should be good um and then internationally i think it'd be interesting to see what bridget koskai does obviously smashed the world record and then got beaten at the olympics um so i mean i think there's probably more there's the same with boston and new york starters as well i've never seen so many fast turnarounds for marathons as this so koskai was at the olympics um and then in the same in in Boston and New York, there's quite a few names that have, yeah, we're at the Olympics, which is unusual, I think. So, yeah, I think certainly on the women's side, Koska is the, maybe the one to watch. And then I think Shura Katata, defending champion, he's the main in, or the lead entry on the men's side. So, yeah, they're probably the two big international names. Yeah. And just uh, not sure if you said you've got eight women in the field who have a PB under 220, and you've got five men. I believe in the field under 210. Is that right? Uh, no, it's eight men under 205. Eight men in the field having run sub 205. So, yeah, as always, London's going to be pretty stacked. Um, speaking about quick turnarounds, two things I suppose to point out the two biggest names, I suppose, no mention of Kipchoge yet on any of these start lists for an autumn marathon. 
um, perhaps understandably after Tokyo, but also we've just seen this afternoon, not in London, but Bekele doing both Berlin, as we understand, and then 45 days later, New York. Um, so as you said, George, quick turnaround, but great for us, I suppose, to get to see these, these men and women run twice in quick succession cap. Mm, he might he might just be hedging his bets there. He, you yeah, never know what which is what I love about him is you, you never really know. Kipchoge is just consistent. He turns up, he does his race. Um, but Bekele's always like a bit more hit and miss and you wonder whether he's entered both just in case he's not fit for Berlin. But what I hope is that he is as fit as he thinks he is and he's going to break the world, rec world record in Berlin. But um, yeah, I always, I like that about Bekele that you, that you just have no idea really. <laughs> I wondered if it was a case of getting towards the tail end of his career now, if he's just trying to cash in on these big money days yeah. as possible because there's not going to be many years left where he can be the, the headline actor. That, that did cross my mind too when yeah. I saw he signed up for New York as well. I thought that's a, that's a lot of money if he can win both of those. Well, <laughs> even, even if he's turning up appearance fee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think we're ever getting Kipchoge Bikali anymore, are we? I think that's... Yeah, I probably like say Unless Kipchoge is going to jump into one of those. Yeah. We'll see. Well, good. I mean, because of COVID, everything has been shifted. But I think for us as spectators, getting to see all the big majors fairly close together um, is going to be exciting. So we'll we'll talk about London, I'm sure, in loads between now and, and then um, and keep an eye on, on what's going on there. We've also got Boston Marathon start lists, George. Um, no... Um, British entrance, as far as we can see, we do have Stephen Scullion, who's been announced uh, from yeah. Ireland. Um, but again, Boston, uh, you know, one of the great, one of the most traditional um, major marathons there. Um, so oh, um, Tish, Tish Jones is in there, um, in the women's 231. Ah, perfect. So Tish Jones, uh, Great Britain 231. Yeah, great. Okay, so we do have a, a bit of UK um, cheering to do there. Perfect. Um, the other big event we got coming up this weekend, George, is a Diamond League. So we're back on the Diamond League circuit in Eugene, um, in that new stadium. Take us through some of the highlights that we can expect there. Yep. So the start lists have pretty much just been updated. So we've got the start list for every event, which is good. Um, there's two men's miles. I'm not sure why. One of them's a Diamond League event. One of them's not. So I presume the Diamond League one's the the main one, and that's got Mohamed, Timothy Chariot, um, Matt Centrowitz, Jake Haywood for Great Britain, um, Jakob Ann, Philip Ingebrigtsen, McSwain, Hall, Ramsden, Tafera. That's pretty much a repeat of the 1500-metre final, plus a couple of others. Um, so that's the men's mile. So, I mean, I'm not sure what the world record is. I think it's 3.43, isn't it? So that's maybe the average. But, yeah, should be definitely a quick one with Jakob and Chariot in there. Um, and then in the other men's mile, there are a couple of Brits in that one, I think. Uh, oh, no, just one. Archie Davis is a Brit in there. So he's got uh, PVA 354. Um, and then men's 800, uh, Oliver Dustin and Elliot Giles. So they'll be trying to right some wrongs, I suppose, after slightly disappointing performances in um, Tokyo. Um, and Bryce Hockle's in there, similar position for him, Isaiah Jewett. And then 
Clayton Murphy, Emmanuel Career, Ferguson Rotich. So again, very stacked, pretty much an Olympic final quality field. Um, and there's a two-mile men's race as well. No Brits in there. Oh no, sorry, Mark Scott's in there. Um, Grant Fisher, Joshua Chaptiai, Paul Tolimo, Solomon Borega. I don't know what a good time for two miles is, really. I suppose it's... And they go on a night in Leeds, that's the question, though. That's true, yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose 8, 10, that'd be a 7, 3 k and all that. Why do you think they've gone for that event? Why not just do a 3K or...? I don't know. Is it a historic sort of Prefontaine thing, okay, maybe? Yeah. Um, it's a classic, isn't it? So perhaps it's more of a traditional or... Old school, yeah. Just, what have you? Yeah. Because there's a, a two mile in the the women's as well. Amy Eloise Markov is in that. Um, a long wiki day, a beery, um, some other big names there. So, yeah, pretty much strong fields throughout. Uh, the women's 800 is one of the highlights because it's got Hodgkinson, Riki, the thing Mo, uh, Notori Gould, Raven Rogers, Adi Wilson again. Pretty much the Olympic final all over again. Um, and then women's... The women's 5,000, um, Stefan Hassan's going to try and break the world record, isn't she, in that 14.06? So that will be, be interesting to see. Doesn't look like she's got any competition in that race, looking at the start list. No, I wonder whether she'll have lights or... not yeah. seeing anything about lights. I mean, her PDs... What's the world record? 14.06, I think. Yeah, and it's 14.22 14... is her... No, I think her PB, her 5K PB is just, I think, out of date, isn't it? Not really. Yeah, yeah, she's not. What it should be. Yeah. So that would cap off, a, cap off a fairly good summer for Hassan if she manages to do that. Yeah, uh, she's not got a world record, actually, other than the hour world record, but that doesn't really count. Um, yeah. And then the last two distance races, Laura Muir and Faith Kibiagon are both in the 1500, so Debbie Stafford, um, Nanyondo, uh, Jess Hull. So, again, very strong field. And in the women's steeplechase, Elizabeth, uh, Lizzie Bird, um, obviously just after her national record at Tokyo's going again. Um, the, world, uh, the Olympic champion, Chemi Ties in there. Kieng, you get Courtney Frerichs. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, very, very good again. So, going to be an exciting down league, I think. Yep, absolutely. And with all the others this season, I'm assuming that's going to be on BBC at some point as well, George, you would think. I presume so. I think it, uh, I'm not sure what time of day, it'd be Saturday night, won't it? Yes. Yeah. Or late, I'd have thought. So, yeah. yeah. Might be a highlight show on the Sunday or something like that as well. Okay, great. Well, before... Actually, let's do that now. Let's um, we we had the Manchester International event take place um, a few days ago, and um, we saw some familiar names racing up there. Um, so there were races in terms of the distances in 800s, 1500s, and we also had races over 5,000 meters and 3,000 meter steeplechases as well. So um, there seems a bit more sort of uh, domestic racing going ahead. George, anything that sort of particularly jumped out at you there from that? competition in terms of times or or particularly good performances no i didn't watch um any of it really uh, i think i saw on uh, social media a bit that uh, Maisie grice ran really well in the women's steeple um 
Jamie Nesbitt came second in the 1500, so coming down a distance. Uh, the men's 1500, I think, was a, a slow tactical race because it was running 407 or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah no, I can't. Uh, yeah, I didn't watch it, so I don't know any big performances, but yeah, yeah it looked a, a fun event. And yeah, just running. It's good to got a few people getting England vests and GB vests for the first time, so it looked a great event. Great. In that case, let's jump straight into, I suppose, a belated Olympics review. So obviously we know what's happened. So we're just going to go through and perhaps pick out some of the, I suppose, our most enjoyable watches, what we like most, and some of the, the best British performances in our eyes. Um, in terms of British highlights, George, medalists include Keely Hodgkinson, obviously that silver medal in the 800. We saw Holly Bradshaw in the pole vault, Paul Muir in the 1500, Josh Kerr also in the 1500. And we also saw a couple of relay medals as well, although one might have a bit of an asterisk next to it yeah. because of CJ Uja. Um, no golds, but would you say, generally speaking, a, a successful track and field event at Tokyo for GB? I, I think I would. I mean, it will, it'll be a shame if we lose that men's four by one medal. Um, it's sort of a good job they didn't win gold because they probably should have done but that would be even harder to have that taken off you um yeah i think so i think the the general public and the sports media probably won't pick up on a lot of the really good performances because they only really care about medals and we didn't get any golds we didn't have the mo farrows the ms's rutherford's johnson thompson was injured after smith got injured jamidi got injured um but i think there were so many good performances a bit lower down that were really promising like moving forward, like people like Jake Haywood um, making the 1500 meters final, Katie Snowden ran really well. Um, obviously, the the men's and women's eight, uh, men's 15 and women's 800 teams all making the final. Um, I thought Lizzie Burr's national record was really good, and again, stuff like that will go unnoticed. But oh yeah, I think it was. I think we got the the middle distance team lived up to the hype, other than men's eight. But yeah, to get three medals. Um, is very good and I mean other than maybe you wanted a medal in a 4x4 four four, and then maybe Asher Smith and Johnson Thompson but obviously they got injured pretty much everyone that had a chance at a medal got one really so I don't think we can complain too much I think it was yeah, a really good performance just shame we didn't get a gold medal but yeah I'm sure with people like Hodgkinson New York uh, they'll come yeah what do you think? What was your standout performance? What did you enjoy watching the most? What was uh, what's your lasting memory? Um, I enjoyed obviously Keely was great to watch. That um, you know she she's just believable. Every time you watch her race, you think she can do it, and it's it's great um, to watch. And Laura Muir, I really enjoyed as well. It's just great to actually have those people competing at that level and actually, you know, being able to see people in with a medal shot. It was, I love both those races. And then I was watching Keely on Discovery Plus when she shouted, um, <laughs> what the fuck at the end of the race. <laughs> and it's really funny when you watch it on the BBC version because you only get the what the and then it cuts it. But on <laughs> Discovery Plus, you've got the whole lot. <laughs> she just looked really genuinely shocked to have run so well. And I think I, 
she probably you know wasn't thinking about the time at all through that race just pure racing and to find out you know you've run such a big pb when you're just trying to race for a medal she she looked genuinely shocked at the end of it which was really good to see and to have three women in the 800 final um from gb is a, a fairly big statement um quite impressive to see yeah yeah very because in the 800 is probably the hardest um rounds just because it's a hard race it's obviously longer distance than doing the 100 or 200 and like those semi-finals where it's two to go through three heats and two fastest losers um you get sort of diamond league standard semi-finals and you've got to get in the top two otherwise you've Good chance of going home so yeah i think that was really impressive and i agree i think out of all of them hodgkinson's definitely the the best performance because i think laura muir proves how hard it is to win medals on the international stage muir's obviously one of our best best athletes we've had in recent years and she's I mean, not missing her criticism at all but it's taken her six years or four or five goes at it to, to win a medal, whereas Hodgkinson and Josh Kerr, to be fair, this is only his second uh, global game or global championships. But yeah, for Hodgkinson to just turn up 19, and we can't forget a thing Mo either because that was equally impressive. She's the same age and she's gone on gold and made it look pretty easy. But yeah, for Hodgkinson to, to do do that uh, first championships and break Kelly Holmes' record is yeah very impressive. So take us to the men's 1500 then, George. Um, Josh Kerr uh, grabbing a medal there towards the end. Fairly touch and go, or were you confident as you were watching the whole race? Um, I think, I mean, I think he he made the right decision not to go with it early on because it was very quick and he was down in like sixth, seventh, eighth the first couple of laps. Just, I think McSwain probably blew his chances of a medal by chasing them and that's the way he likes to race and that's how we've seen Laura Muir race and maybe not win medals because of it over the last few years and if that's if they want to go for gold and risk losing a medal then that's a, yeah and that's a brave decision so fair enough but yeah I think Kerr pretty much raced for bronze he nearly got silver nearly got um chariot on the line but yeah I think I wouldn't have said I was I think the last probably about 300 you could see he was feeling good and coming through but until then, he looked a little bit too far back. But I think in hindsight, that was the best position to be in because, you know, what they ran 328. So that's, yeah, very, very quick. So if you go with that, you risk blowing up like McSwain did and, and, and Whiteman as well, actually. And Whiteman ran probably a bit too hard in the semis. So I think Kerr, what I mean, he only got into the semis as a fasted loser through the heats. So that just proves how hard it is just to make the final. you just got to make the final, doesn't matter how. Um, but yeah, I, I thought we ran like the perfect race. I feel like he was the most conscious through the heats to save something. He was, I think, he only just had to take that fastest loser spot because he was too conscious of saving something and not not making sure enough. And same in the semi-finals, it, it just he was just doing enough, which is really smart if you can get to the final having just done enough rather than. You know, Jake Whiteman had a great semi-final, looked amazing, but probably did give a bit too much in that. I think Kerr just really held as much back as he could and, you know, right until the really last minute when he had to. So good, good stuff. 
Yeah. Just a note on what you said, George. So Keely Hodgkinson, obviously a youngster, but Jakob Ingebrigtsen, a youngster, and Mo in the 800 for the women. So there seems to be a quite a few youngsters winning medals at the Olympics and the major competitions at the moment. But it's perhaps a, a new sort of phase of names we're going to be talking about for a long time to come. Yeah, I think. Seeing um, Hodgkinson and Mo, um, I think Mo over the years and see what happens to them both because at the moment, obviously, I think Mo's kind of got the edge, but it's you know it's very early in both their careers, so it will be it will be really good to watch that battle over the years. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think well, the, one of the reasons I was so shocked when the times came through for that women's eight hundred is just because I think Mo looks like she's jogging the entire way. I think probably because she's run she's run really quick over the 400. In fact, they were saying she probably could have won the 400. I think she's like second second or third fastest in the world this year um, and then ran really well in the relay. So it's probably just the fact that she looks so comfortable running at that pace that, yeah, it, looked, it didn't look a particularly quick race and then they still ran 155. So, yeah, I think she's, she's going to be very, very good and hopefully... Hodgkinson can challenge her quite a bit as well. Yeah, lots to look forward to. Let's take a trip to the marathon, um, guys, which I suppose is mixed fortunes for the GB uh, cohort. So in the, the women's marathon, we had Steph Davis as her, our highest finisher. She came in at 39th place in 2.36. Steph Twell was 68th place in 2.53. And Jess Piasecki was 71st place in 2.55. Um, so obviously off all of their PBs by a long way, um, probably most likely hugely down to the conditions. In the men's, Chris Thompson finished in 54th place in 2.21. And then our other two men, Callum Hawkins and Ben Connor, both DNF'd. So only one British male runner crossed the finish line there in Tokyo. So I suppose the... The obvious questions arise then about were the correct people selected, particularly, I suppose, in the, the women's side of things, you could argue. Um, George, selection debate there, picking athletes that didn't run at the trials, didn't perhaps prove fitness like they said they might have to. Um, and you've got Charlotte Purdue sitting at home and, and others. So what do you think? Yeah, it's tough because you, firstly, you don't know what Charlotte Purdue would have done. She might go and run really well at the big half and then at London, but um, Tokyo was three weeks before that, or three weeks before the big half, two weeks before. You just don't know what shape she was in then. So it'd be easy to watch Purdue run really well and then say, look, she should have been at Tokyo. But you, that's, well, first of all, that's half marathon shape, not marathon shape. It's quite a big difference. And yeah, you, you just don't know what she'd have done. But yeah, I think it doesn't help when... If, when there was controversy anyway about the selections and then they run not their best, it's, yeah, it's then quite easy to to say, well, they definitely made the right decision. So, yeah, it's a tough one, but they, I mean, I presume they did show fitness, obviously not in, necessarily in the form of a race, but either sending them training or must have done something, at least I'd hope they have and they've not just... Know, let people turn up to the Olympics without improving like, fitness. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the conditions did look tough, so I don't think we can necessarily 
criticise Piasecki and Twelve. They obviously they finished the race, unlike um, quite a lot, in, quite a lot of the women and quite a lot of the men as well. So yeah, I mean they they finished, which was impressive for a start. I think a lot of them said afterwards that just getting to the finish line was half the battle. So yeah, I mean you just don't know what Perdue could have done, um, but proves that the trials has a value because in both races the, the the Brit that won the trials was the best performer at the, the marathon so clearly that that has value to it and can work so yeah it's obviously just a bit of a shame that Callum Hawkins wasn't up there contending um, like we've seen in the past at World Championships so yeah not sure what happened there he did look in good shape at the trials when he was pacemaking so yeah I don't think there's any controversy with the men's selections because they couldn't pick Johnny Mello. They had to pick Tonsman and, and, and Connor and Hawkins was always going to be picked. So it was just a shame two of them didn't finish. But yeah, um, it's easy to say they shouldn't have picked Twell and Piasecki, but I would say we just don't know what shape Virgie was in two weeks ago and what she would have done. So yeah, it's difficult. What do you think, Kat? Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Because they, I mean, I think, um, I think, Steph Davis' performance was really good, and I think she, you know, she had proved fitness by competing in the trials. I think sometimes it is just such a big risk with these marathon runners when you just don't get to see them race. I think there should be some sort of absolute, you have to do a trials race. Like, you know, Charlotte Perdue, all of them said it wasn't ideal for them to run a trials race. Um, they, you know, because of coming back from injury, but they should have been made to run some sort of, I think you have to, at least a half, you need to do something that shows form because they may not have had Charlotte Perdue either in form and they were the only ones available for selection. But, and, but yeah, it just, neither of them seem to be in good shape, Twell or Piasecki. And probably just because they were desperately trying to come back from injuries and and build up. And it could be the same for Purdue, but it doesn't look like it is the fact that she's ready to run a half at the weekend. Um yeah, we, we just need a we need more depth, don't we, so that we have so we can actually force them to run a trial. Cause it yeah. has proved that, that if they're fit that year, they're probably gonna be okay to run in the Olympics. And and even with America, like they did their trial last February, so 18 months before, and it was work for them because they never would have picked Monty yeah. Idol. Um, they did the yeah. trials on a Tokyo like course, I think it was quite hilly. And, um, yeah, they made it yeah. tough and they and they found a tough marathon, yeah, exactly. And yeah, like I say, they never would have taken Seidel, so I think that was only like a second or third marathon ever, wasn't it? So to, to turn up and yeah. win bronze, but it just proves that. Yeah, even if you do the trials well in advance, just putting them in a kind of pressure yeah, situation like that where you have to turn up and form on that day and try and mimic the Olympics, that's the best way to do it. So, But America have more depth, so it's easier to do that, I suppose. Yeah. Another dominant performance from Kipchoge, George. Um, looked pretty supreme, didn't he? Um, and then we saw some fairly... Funny, I suppose, teamwork for second and third place in the in the closing stages. What did you think of the men's front end of the race? Yeah, yeah, I'd say Kipchoge just 
yeah, looks like Kipchoge did in Rio, just running off the front really easily at 20 miles or whatever it was. Um, yeah, he was fist pumping some Brazilian like halfway through, so you could tell he was in a, a good mood and he probably knew at that point, I've got this wrapped up. But yeah, good to see him back running well and yeah, like yeah, the marathons aren't the same without Kipchoge dominating like that. So yeah, brilliant to see. What well, aside from the British um, contingent, cat? What was your favourite watch across the whole Olympics? Um, I think mine would, as we just discussed, mine was just seeing Kipchoge like that, just sort of drifting off the front, looking so good, form impeccable. And he drop a fourteen twenty eight five k at one point towards towards the end, and yeah, uh, just looked effortless. So, I think that's probably the thing that I got I most enjoyed the most. I don't get it. <laughs> He's always, it's always just boring to me when these people are so dominant. I'm just like, oh, there it goes again. Yeah. <laughs> All the ones where it's too easy, it's just like, oh, just get Chogi winning again. <laughs> How about you, Paul? What was your standout aside from the Brits? Um, yeah, I think probably Kipchoge. Um, I think that was. Yeah, the, I, I I really like watching him. I, I could watch him run all day, to be honest. I think he just makes it look so effortless. And I, yeah, I get, I, yeah, I see what that means. That can, when you sort of know how it's going to unfold, it can be a little bit boring. But I think because of London and the block deer and um, not being, not running very well there, like that had a little bit of doubt in your mind, maybe that he, he wasn't what he was. But yeah, I think, yeah, he's, he's definitely still right up there and yeah, pretty much the best in the world, without a doubt. Yeah. And the good news is only three years until we have to, uh, until we watch another Olympics in Paris. So uh, we don't have to wait the normal four years. Yeah. And with a whole load packed into next year, we're not going to have to wait too long for some, as like the Worlds and the Europeans and the Commonwealth all next summer. So, yeah. Something to look forward to. Yeah, we don't have to be too miserable that the Olympics is finished. Yeah. Although it is a bit of a hole once you've been watching it all day, <laughs> day isn't it, George? Then to not have anything to watch. Yeah, no, the the, the certainly the week after Tokyo, I really didn't yeah, do not steer myself because yeah, I'd watched sport pretty much for two weeks straight, but then the football season started again. So yeah, less bored now. But yeah, yeah, I'm already counting down to Paris, I think. Well, um, speaking of things to look forward to, George, you sat down and spoke with this week's interviewee, uh, Phil Sessman. We mentioned him already in the start list for the big half this weekend and then for London Marathon, debuting, I believe, for both of those distances, but um, obviously a great runner across the shorter distances. How, how did that interview go? Yeah, really good. So like I say, um, doing the big half and then London, so that's his debut marathon. Um yeah, and like he's been a very, very good runner across all the distances. He was at European Indoors earlier this year, racing a 3K in, um, in Jakobi, in Britain's heat. So that was interesting to hear that experience. Um, run really well at Podium and Armagh and, yeah, a load of other races in the past. And, yeah, just really interesting to hear about how his marathon training is going. Um, yeah, just really good, yeah, good conversation, mainly about London and what his plans are for that, but, yeah, just about pretty much everything running and yeah 
yeah, I hope they just enjoy it. Yeah, and did he give an indication as to whether he's chasing a, like a Commonwealth Games time for the marathon? Um, he he does say towards the end that he's thinking more World Championships standards. So, yeah. that's two eleven thirty. And the the thing is, I suppose next year, and he makes this point, is that um, there's no like in the eights and the fifteens, people might do two or three of those Europeans, Commonwealth Worlds, but the marathon runners, it's pretty much going to be three different runners every time there could be providing there's nine people with the standard or 18 men and women um yeah they could be completely different different teams for each one which will be really interesting and makes it wide open for for pretty much all these names that are in the london entries because they've got if they go and run one of the standards they've got a very good chance of going so yeah it'd be interesting to see see how that goes yeah Absolutely. Well, as you said, we hope you enjoy listening to that interview with Phil Sessman. We've hopefully got another couple of exciting interviews to come as well. Um, hopefully got someone who was at the Tokyo Olympics coming up soon. So um, stay tuned for that one. But as always, thanks very much for listening. Kat, I hope the knee gets better soon. Lay off the hammer throwing if you can. And George, best of luck for this weekend at Podium. We look forward to hearing all about that. Um, yeah. Good luck in the big half. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I will talk to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. See this week on Track, I'm delighted to be joined by Phil Sessman. Phil runs for Leeds City AC in Blackheath and Bromley and has an impressive range of PBs from a 340-1500 to 13.39 for the 5K and 47.45 for 10 miles. Phil represented GB at the 2021 European Indoor Championships for 3,000 metres earlier this year and has recently been announced on the elite entries for the London Marathon in October, which will be his marathon debut. Hi, Phil. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Thanks, George. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, so we're speaking on Tuesday morning, about seven weeks out from London now, I think. So how, how's training going? Have you been out today? Have you got sessions on the cars today? Um, yeah, training's good, thanks. Yeah, so it's just under seven weeks to go. Um, I've uh, kind of done a bit of a 10-week block um, coming into where we are now, and, and it's just kind of six and a half or so weeks to go. Um, day's just been kind of like an easy run this morning on the trail with my dog, um, just more of a shakeout uh, ahead of a session later on the track. So um, there's a few boys in Leeds this weekend or this week um, to train with, so we've got some two-mile reps. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, it looks like from social media anyway that there's a, a pretty strong group in Leeds, like I say, at the moment, but throughout really, of the likes of, I mean, I think Jake Smith's there at the moment, isn't he? Emil Caress, and then obviously the university boys. That must be pretty good to have them to train with all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. I've, my main training partners are the university lads and, and Emil Caress, um, and then a lot of the easy runs of the Leeds City boys as well. Um, and then Jake Smith, Kieran Lewis, and Ollie Lockley have all. Um, moved to Leeds for a month um, and are living here and training with us so that's yeah. been really good and uh, we've also got Adam Fogg as well um, from down in Coventry um, who's over for the session today as well so um, yeah it should be quite a good session nice big pack yeah yeah that's great it feels like Leeds is taking over from Loughborough a little bit as where everyone wants to go and train at the moment uh, well we're trying to yeah, yeah that's, that's the goal isn't it um, and you went to university at Leeds is that way like how you become based there 
Yeah, yeah, essentially, I, I it was 10 years ago, pretty much September 2011, I came up to Leeds for university, um, had medical school, so six year course, um, decided to stay, um, and now it's 10 years and, and I've been up here since then. Yeah, and so in terms of the moments, the seven weeks out from London, what sort of is your typical training week like? It looks like pretty high mileage, but in terms of sessions, long runs, down weeks, I mean, yeah, well, how does it all look for you at the moment? Um, so at the moment, it's uh, I'm doing the big half this Sunday. Um, so this week's going to be a little bit lower volume. Um, I still run pretty hard on the track today and, and still do eight miles of effort. Um, and then most of the rest of this week will be really easy ahead of the big half. Um, and I'll reduce the volume a little bit. Um, I think the aim is to still hit about 90 miles this week, um, but that's still quite a big reduction on I've kind of been at 120 um, for quite a few weeks now um, so the aim will kind of be the week after that get straight back up there um, see how I'm coping with it and, and maybe push it a little bit further but but we might be quite happy with that me and my coach and, and just leave it there yeah uh, in terms of kind of sessions and long runs at, at the moment working on kind of quite typical marathon training of kind of one session a week and, and one long run that's pretty hard or has a session within it um, and then lots of kind of longer runs and lots of easy miles around there. So, yeah. Um, and then for the big half, is that your first official half marathon? I think from based on power of ten. Yeah, it is. It is so um, that's exciting, but also quite nerve wracking as well. Yeah. Do you have a? I mean, without you don't expect you to put an exact time out there, but do you have an aim in mind, or just going to race it, see where where the legs are at this point in the training block? Yeah, I think I think the second there. So I. I I mean, I'd love to get on the podium. Um, I haven't seen a field list, but I've heard there's quite a few British boys getting involved and some strong lads. Um, so I'd like to be competitive with all of them um, and just see where I can be. Um, I'll probably run without a watch and just not think about the splits at all because um, having never done a half before, I know I'm in good shape, but I don't know what good shape for me at a half is. Um, so there's no point looking at my watch and thinking I should be running 64 minutes 63 or 62 or whatever pace i just need to race and and get as most out of myself in that final 10k as i can yeah and you've done a, a 10 miles i suppose so that's as was that a few years ago now you ran 47 45 so well well under five minute miling so that's i suppose some sort of an idea of what you might be able to run for the half yeah i think so that's that's a difficult one to kind of know for sure because it's a point-to-point -point course with a slight downhill in the first half um and there was probably a tiny tailwind that day um it wasn't a big one but any tailwinds a massive help um because you're not getting any air resistance really um and so it's tough to kind of really look at that and say that oh, okay i should run this off that um i know that's two years ago and i've run a lot of miles since then so i should be more adapt to the longer distances than I was then. Yeah. And I mean, what's, I suppose, been the biggest changes from like previous changing, uh, previous training um, since you moved up to the marathon? Is it just the, the constant, like, no let up nature of marathon training, or is it anything else kind of changed in particular? If you can more gym work, more easy runs, or slower easy runs, has anything changed? Um, the volume's slightly higher. I was always high volume anyway. Um, even when I was still doing 1500s, I was probably running far too high a volume in miles per week. Um, but that's just kind of what I enjoyed doing and what I wanted to keep doing. Um, 
so the volume is is a bit higher than it would have been and i'm probably a little bit more conscious of keeping it up high and not letting up at all um but in terms of kind of the sessions it, it definitely kind of gone to the two sessions a week um which is quite a big change um i'd often kind of hit a tuesday track thursday tempo and then either like a harder long run on the Saturday or, or some shorter efforts again, if I was more focused on the track or there might be like a race. Um, whereas now it's very much kind of Tuesday on the track, quite a long session, but still trying to move the legs. Um, and then kind of Friday or Saturday hitting a longer effort, um, kind of 20 miles ish, um, yeah. is kind of the, the minimum really to be hitting there. Um, and that's at a good pace. Yeah. And in terms of like the, the rest of your marathon blocks, you have, what six weeks after the big half, I think, into London. So, will how the half goes will that dictate the rest of your training, or have you sort of got the rest of it panned out anyway? And I suppose it's what five weeks and then taper. Is that is that the plan? That's the plan. Um, we've got it planned out, but it's not set in stone. Um, we've got to see how I'm feeling, and and kind of the fitness has come around a little bit quicker than kind of we expected it to um so then it's kind of that feeling of do we keep pushing or do we need to be mindful of i'm quite fit already and, and could i end up pushing myself just into a hole and, and and not being able to get out of that on race day um so so we probably will adapt things um i did think about kind of the half being this far out is quite good in the way that it can kind of you can alter the training based on the results um but i also don't want to give too much significance to the result this weekend like i want to run as well as i can i know i'm in good shape um but at the end of the day i'm 11 weeks into a big mileage block um and i've got six weeks until the big one so so whilst it'd be great to run really well and, and, and get a, well obviously going to get a pb as it's my debut but get a really good time out um it's not the be all or end all and i, I don't think it's going to affect the training too much yeah okay um and it looked like on on strava the weekend you were doing some like pretty extensive drinks practice it was all sort of detailed on there is that was that all specific to london getting used to taking fluids and uh, well food and, and gels on board during during your run yeah definitely so ever since kind of we floated the idea of doing a marathon a couple of years ago um with my coach um, and being part of the Leeds Talent Hub, uh, we have a resident nutritionist, Cara Sloss, um, who's great. And, and she kind of advised, just start using gels in some of your harder long runs and then some of your longer runs and just start training that stomach. Um, and then once we came back to um, <clears throat> after kind of the base training period and I started about three or four weeks ago into a more specific marathon block, um, she was very much like, OK, use the gels, use the drinks let's see what you can tolerate before we kind of come up with a specific plan. Um, and I've been doing that over the last few weeks and, and building that up. Um, been using the OTE stuff, which my stomach's getting along with. And um, sounds like a silly thing, but they're really easy to open. And I was finding with some of the other gels that I've been using that they just weren't as easy to open when you're running at kind of that threshold pace. And, and that does make a big difference when you're kind of trying to tear something with your teeth and it doesn't make it very easy. So. Yeah. um that's been going quite well and, and haven't had any mishaps yet um but it's more like the caffeine ones that kind of set you off a little bit towards the end so you still have to be careful yeah definitely and so you said there a couple of years ago you originally planned on moving up to the marathon were you planning on a, a spring marathon earlier this year i think the hope was to do 
maybe a half marathon last autumn or or a half marathon in the spring um and i think my coach and i kind of looked at the commonwealth games a couple of years ago and, and the european championships as like okay well this is a realistic goal that, that i could aim for at, at maybe the marathon um and that's that's the way that he saw me going with my training um so we had planned kind of long-term plan and it was all just in pencil um that maybe we would do a half marathon then but with covid and and um and everything else that happened it was kind of like well let's let's just hold off and um i did get very motivated when they announced the olympic trials for the marathon coming out and i thought actually let's just give it a go take a real big swing at it and and i felt like that type of time like 2 11 30 maybe not for me on that course and on that day but on a fast course and i feel like that's within my remit of what i'm, I'm capable of um so i asked to be accepted into that field and, and put in um i knew it was a long shot because i hadn't got a marathon or a half marathon to back me up um and and they they felt the same so they didn't let me in um which is fair enough um so that's that's why i've had to wait until now to do one now, I suppose it worked out pretty well for you in the end because you then made the switch to indoors and, and got selected for GB for the European indoors in March. So are you pleased in the end with the way that that all panned out? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And um, especially as we don't know how the marathon, I'm going to take to the marathon and, and the actual racing of it. Um, yet so so it may be that that it doesn't go well or maybe that that i'm not as good a marathon as, as as i hope to be and so i've still always got that kind of gb track vest and whilst it was indoors it's, it's still one that I've, it was a big goal for me and um quite pleased to kind of be able to say i've got that and, and had the experience there yeah yeah definitely and so what made you want to move up to the marathon in the first place was it just the fact you've always enjoyed that maybe high volume training and you thought it's something you'd kind of enjoy training for and, and do well at on, in the race itself? I enjoy the high volume training. I definitely enjoy getting the miles in. Um, I enjoy the easy miles. Um, I enjoy the focus towards kind of one goal rather than kind of just try and get yourself fit and then just keep racing until it happens kind of thing. I, I quite enjoy the focus of kind of a few big races per year kind of thing rather than just constantly batting at it um i'm quite robust i haven't had many injuries touch wood um and i think that that probably led us to believe that the fact that i enjoy the mileage i seem to be able to absorb quite a lot of it it was kind of pointing well this could be where the biggest success could be or or the biggest potential um so that's kind of why we decided yeah we'll, we'll give it a go and um and I'm also 28 now, so I've been doing kind of the same races every year for quite a few years. Um, the same seasons, the indoor season, the relays in the autumn, the, the track season. Um, it's definitely nice to have a different focus and, and just change things up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I agree. I, I enjoyed the, well, obviously COVID wasn't the, the best time last year, but I, I enjoyed the fact that you could just focus on training pretty much non-stop and, and, and not have the distraction of races so i think yeah there's definitely like value in just having those more like one goals like you see in the marathon people do two races a year and it's all training blocks i think you got covid last october didn't you yeah it was last november um 
pretty sure I got it from work. Um, was treating quite a lot of patients with COVID at the time. Yeah. Um, and did a big week of training, a big weekend of training and working in the evenings. Um, and just knew that I didn't feel quite right. And, and that was that. So, yeah. um, that was a bit of a shame, um, to kind of, I was in quite good shape and training was going quite well. And I was hoping to do a 10 K that autumn or that winter. Um, but in the end of it, there, there wasn't many races on at that time of year anyway. And, um, I had a bit of a rest and was able to focus on just getting better and, and was able to get back to pretty much full training within about three weeks after the 12 days that I was kind of at home, not doing anything for. I'd say one of the biggest things that a lot of me and my peers or training partners did get COVID around the same kind of time. Um, and a lot of us kind of bounced ideas off each other. And, and one of the big things was on the first few runs back, you'd think it'd be better to run on your own and just focus on going at your own easy pace and looking after yourself. Um, but we all found it was better to run with other people because otherwise every breath, every step you're taking, you're thinking, how do I feel? Is this right? Is this normal? Um, whereas actually just having like an easy conversation with one of your mates um, made you kind of forget about that and feel a little bit better. Um, so that's something I'd recommend. And um, the biggest thing is intensity. So just run easy for a few weeks. But if you get your volume back up pretty quickly, I think I got my volume back up kind of fairly quick kind of thing. I think it was 12 days I was no running for three or four days easy and then I was back at 100 mile a week kind of thing in terms of volume um but I took a, f a good two three more weeks to kind of get back to two sessions a week uh, let alone three so um that's that's where you just want to be a little bit more careful yeah yeah definitely and then I say so you then in March went to uh, European indoors and for the 3000 so you ran 751 i think in the heats you had a, a pretty pretty tough heat with um jacob ingebrigtsen jimmy gracia isaac camelli i mean that must have been a first of all a pretty cool experience to, to run for gb on the track but also to be in that sort of company and, and run was that a pb or just outside your pb it was yeah it was just outside my pb that i'd run in manchester maybe three or four weeks before um, but I think I closed a little bit harder, so probably a fairly equivalent in terms of performance. Um, and yeah, it was great experience. It was, it was really fun. Um, obviously, I, I would have loved to have got out of that heat um, and got into the final. Um, but uh, all the heats were tough. Um, but I did feel like yeah, maybe I got dealt with a bit of a, a bit of a tough one there. Um, but it, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. And what did you take away from that? That racing against those sort of names did that kind of give you confidence and motivation to kick on even more i think so i, I think specifically from the race i remember mike foppin and jimmy gressier getting a gap and we weren't running i knew we weren't running quick enough to get in the three fastest loser spots and i also knew that it was first three past the post to get in and i had camelli and jakob ingebrigtsen right in front of me so it was a strange feeling of kind of being 800 or 900 meters in and thinking this is probably it i'm probably not going through here kind of thing and that that was quite tough to kind of mentally think like why, why am i thinking that kind of thing um and and being negative um but what i was most impressed with was looking at camelli not chasing down foppen and gressier and thinking he's backing himself in a kick against jacob 
And fair enough, he came second in the final. So he obviously knew he was in shape. But the fact that he was backing himself in a kick just kind of showed to me, like, that's the self-belief that you need to have. Like, that's the confidence that you need to have to in order to compete at this level. Um, even if it's there's no evidence behind it, like, you kind of just need to kind of back yourself a little bit more and, and, and do that. And it was only the last lap where those guys got away from me um, and they ended up passing um, Mike Foppen. Um, for the top top three spots, um, so that did show me that um, maybe physically I'm not as far off them as I kind of believed, um, but maybe mentally I probably am a little bit. Running seven fifty one just outside of PB indoors, I suppose you can't really expect too much more of yourself than that. And like I say, it was a, a tough beat, but sounded like a, a pretty good experience to to have and to kind of see those sort of names and kind of be mixing it with them must give you. Yeah, a lot of confidence that those sort of performances are like are in you as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so definitely. And and I did have a lot more confidence going into kind of spring and into the track season um, than I definitely did before. And then, so in the spring, you did like twenty miles, I think, at the Wrexham Elite Marathon pacemaking with Jake Smith was there, and we've had Jake on the podcast, and I, I still can't get my head around how he ran a fifteen hundred PB on Wednesday. Um, had no drinks, one gel. I mean, were you running there with him, just thinking, what is he doing? And then you went off and ran to eleven. Pretty much, yeah. So I, I um, we were trying to pace a kind of five minute miling, um, and he was just so relaxed. He was just like he was trying to chat to you, and I was going, no, Jake, I don't want to chat. <laughs> like, I can run this pace, but I need to just focus on running this pace and staying, like, keeping my heart rate low and just relaxing. Um, I'm not having a chat kind of thing um, and yeah it was a lot of fun um, uh, we kind of broke up at 13 miles so Callum um, Johnson was in the half marathon and he he stayed behind us at five and then kicked on ended up running 63 and having a great run for the half um, but we had the, the marathon guys behind us and, and we had two guys um, who were trying to run the time um, they started to one of them started to drop back and about 13 and I said to Jake, all right, you, well, you take Callan um, and I'll take Reese um, and I'll help pace him. Um, and kind of just watch them kind of just get further in the distance. Um, and as me and Reese were slightly slowing down, kind of 508s, 59s, maybe 510 per mile we were running then, um, I started to feel a lot better. Um, I hadn't been feeling that great. Um, and I did start to, in my head, start to think, I could probably finish this today or I could at least give it a go. Um, but I knew I was in a track season. I knew I wanted to get some results in that track season. Um, so I, I thought, like, forced myself, right, step off with two laps to go, seven miles to go. They're three and a half mile laps. Um, at that point, I was fully expecting to see Jake at that point and that he wouldn't have carried on. Um, and it was at the finish line and they told me, nope, he's carrying on and he's going to keep going. So, um, yeah, it was quite exciting and quite fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And you must... Because obviously you wouldn't have done much sort of marathon training in the lead up to that. So looking back on that experience and knowing how it felt to run that sort of distance at that sort of pace and knowing that sort of since then you've trained more specifically for the marathon, do you think like that gives you a lot of confidence for what you you can do in London and just knowing that you've been in that sort of environment and yeah, run that fast that long? I think it does, definitely. Um... I had done some harder long runs. I do find that they get they get me fit. So I've done maybe three or four 20 milers in, in the time 
between like the European indoors and, and that race. And I think that was only maybe five weeks or so. Um, so I had done some longer stuff and my volume had been pretty high um, leading into that. Um, but it definitely did. It did kind of give me a bit of a sniff and a bit of a, a taste for it and, and kind of an idea of, well, actually, maybe this could go quite well if, if I do do one. Um, I actually think that did slightly maybe affect my track season a little bit in the sense of partly I did the pacing. I then paced a Blackheath teammate um, for another lap um, who finished in 221 or so pretty much a few minutes afterwards um, and then waited around because the finish line was miles from the start and get, didn't get any nutrition in um, for a good hour or so. Um, so I think in terms of recovery wise and, and muscle damage that that definitely did affect me um, but also mentally kind of having that experience where it seemed to go all right and I was definitely feeling better towards the end um, because I'd slowed down but was definitely feeling better um, maybe my mental focus started to push towards the autumn and towards doing a marathon um, and I wasn't really focusing on the races that were coming up and, and the track season that I was in um, so um, yeah, I do think that, that whilst it was a good experience for where I am now, it, it, it didn't help my track season. And when you, you look back at some of your track PBs and performances for the shorter distances, so 1339, 5k, 751, uh, 3k, 340, for 1500 and 401, I think, for the mile are there. Still times you want to go back and improve and like any unfinished business there or, or is this do you see this is more of a, a permanent switch to longer road racing um i'm going to see how it goes um i definitely even if i'm still doing the marathon stuff um i'd still think i would be doing a few track races and and um definitely road 5ks and 10ks um i think will be quite important in between marathon blocks um I still think I can run quicker at 5K and 10K, um, and I'd love to do a 10,000 on the track. Um, I I never really feel like I've cracked a 5,000 on the track. I just always feel like it's it's kind of never really happened um, and, and hit it the way that I've been training. Um, so I definitely feel like I've got a bit of an unfinished business there, and I'd, I'd like to give one of those a go again at some point. Um, in terms of 1500, yeah, those days are gone, definitely, that's for sure. And you mentioned earlier as well that you're a doctor as well. Is that, are you still kind of working pretty much every day at the moment? Uh, no, far from it, um, to be honest. Um, so I, uh, I was working part-time um, as a foundation year one and a foundation year two trainee, um, and that stopped in June. Um, so I'm through that now, um, and now I'm kind of doing locum bank shifts um haven't decided how long i'm going to do this for um at some point i'll apply for a specialty training post um and decide which kind of uh, field of medicine i want to specialize in and, and pursue as a career um but at the moment just locum bank posts um working as few of them as possible in order to kind of sustain living um my partner is a surgical trainee um so she's working very hard revising for lots of exams so Seeing as we've just got a brand new puppy, um, the less I can work, um, the better, really. Um, and I, I, at the moment, I'm, I'm not really planning to pick up too many more shifts before now in London, um, just because of the COVID risk. Um, I don't want to 
do all this work and then two weeks out catch covid basically yeah yeah, yeah that would definitely be frustrating um and you're you're unsponsored as well i think aren't you um do you think that's somewhere that maybe uk distance running could improve because i'd say like an athlete of your standards in america would be in a, a brand sponsored group like poker north arizona or books beast those type of things do you think in the uk it's only really seemingly balanced manchester that does that sort of elite group do you think there should be more of that and would you like to be involved in that kind of thing if there was more opportunities um it's difficult to say because because we don't really know what people say in those groups are getting paid um and a lot of it's quite glamorous and it looks good on instagram um but how many of them are actually taking home like a a salary that they can live off or or are often are people kind of chasing prize money appearance money and, and just receiving kit it's it's no one's really that open about it um in terms of where i'm at i'm obviously fortunate in that i can work as um a doctor and and um work relatively minimal hours and, and still earn enough to sustain myself um and also choose to live quite cheaply um so i'm in i'm in a in a better position now um where i don't really have to chase the odd 300 quid in prize money or or that kind of thing um uh in order to to keep doing what i'm doing and keep training and keep enjoying it um it, w- it would be good in the uk if if there was more of that and and bigger groups and and more sponsorship opportunities um but um that's not the reason i do it kind of thing it's uh, the reason is for for just the personal improvement and the enjoyment of it um so if, if anything like that comes my way, it's, it's more a byproduct of, of hopefully some good performances. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, and then just, just looking forward a bit more to London. So the British entries and the elite entries were announced at the weekend, I think, or last week. So Johnny Meller, Moar Dan, Andrew Davis, and then two debutants as well. So Doug Musson, Jamie Crow, and yourself. Um, do you have a race? sort of strategy in mind you're sticking to a pace on a part rate i i was thinking of not wearing a watch um but then someone reminded me of how sensible and how well chris thompson's race plan played out at the olympic marathon trials and and so it may be sensible just to have like an extra metric to kind of gauge things off rather than just effort on the day and how i'm feeling and and i can imagine kind of maybe getting a little bit carried away in, in the start and um getting involved um in terms of the other guys um there's some great runners there and, and some people debuting and, and obviously johnny and and moadan and charlie holson and josh griffiths who've run some great marathons in the last few years um so it'd be nice to be competitive with them and and, and see where i can match up and and see what i can do um but i'm fully aware it's my first marathon and and anything can happen um but I'd be lying if if I said I just wanted a solid one. Um, if if I was just going for kind of like a time um, and just wanted to to put a, a good PB on the board, then I'd wait off and, and race at Valencia. Um, but the fact it's the London Marathon and the fact it's uh, the British Elite Field and and that's what I want to get involved in. I want to get involved with those lads and I want to race them and, and compete. Yeah, yeah, it's great. And you must be pretty pleased that instead of like last year's COVID elite only marathon, you got the full kind of London experience with 
masses and crowds and the normal course you must be yeah pretty pleased that that's the London you're getting to do for the first time yeah definitely definitely it's it's going to be completely different to anything else I've, I've raced before maybe Armour you could say is, is uh, the 5k is, is a similar experience and um and it's so much fun um kind of racing in that big field and that elite field and um I've watched the London Marathon loads of times really enjoy going to see it um so yeah being involved and, and it should be a great day kind of no matter how it goes really yeah yeah I mean I've done the mini marathon a few times and I'm sure you've done it as well I mean yeah even doing that the like the crowds are amazing at nine o'clock or whatever time it started and just running down the mile and yeah like you say it's just so inspiring to watch every year so if you, you have done the mini marathon have you yeah I've done it a few times I was part of the Bromley Borough um enjoyed that and and yeah really enjoyed it so yeah it would be yeah we it'd be a lot of fun kind of running down those final three miles again yeah and I suppose one advantage of not having a, a sponsorship is that you can wear any shoe you want do you have you been trying them all out do you know which which one you'll be wearing on, on race day I've been trying a few shoes out um I think I'll probably wear the next percents um just because i have trained in them a few times i've raced in them previously um and i know they're just looking at kind of other race results they're obviously a very competitive shoe and, and, and one of the better ones and then just looking ahead a little bit to, to next year it's quite a busy one london marathon again in six months time and then commonwealth worlds euros do you have any particular targets in mind maybe like the commonwealth Standard second there, 1330, 28 flat, and 214 for the, for the marathon. Have you got your eyes on those? Um, the eyes are on the world champs standard, 21130. Um, and, and that's kind of the, the paces that I'm training at and, and hoping to kind of get towards. Um, um, if I can get, get selection for there, if it goes well enough um, in London or, um, or any other race that I might race um, between now and now and then, um, then that brilliant um and there's there's also the european champs um which i have heard that they're hoping to take the full team to um so yeah the definite goal is to um get into one of those um and that was that was part of the planning behind racing a marathon this autumn of kind of there's three champs next summer um that's a lot of opportunity um for the marathon especially because nobody's doubling up with the marathon you might do a 10k at, at one of the first ones and then a marathon maybe um but it's not like the 1500 and the 800 boys who, who could probably do all three champs if they really wanted to yeah and uh, i imagine do you find yourself getting sort of even more inspired for those sorts of things by the olympics that obviously just happened particularly i'm sure you know a lot of the, the people were there pretty well so quite a few are based in leeds did you yeah get inspired by that as well yeah, it was great. It was really good to see. Um, I tried to watch as much of it as I could. Obviously, the time difference um, wasn't the best. Um, but seeing, I think Alex Bell um, and obviously Keely from Leeds as well, but especially Alex, like I've trained with her for years and I helped her in some of her prep and, and especially with British champs and um, seeing how much she puts into the running and um, how much our coach, um, Andrew Henson, puts in. Um, and how much it means to, to both of them. It, it was really good to see that kind of um, making the Olympic final was, was massive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
Um, and then cross-country season's just coming around and we missed it last year. Will you be getting involved over cross-country and road relays and that kind of thing? Uh, it's a difficult one. Um, so the six-stage national, um, which we're the holders of, Leeds City, um, yeah. is the week after uh, London. So six-day turnaround. Um, it'd probably be really stupid to do it. Um, so... I haven't decided on that one yet. I, I think the chances are I'll be there spectating with the dogs um, rather than racing. Um, but Leeds have still got a very good team. Um, the lads are fit and they're motivated. So um, expect to see them um, near or at the front. Um, hopefully the legs will be back under me by kind of Mansfield and the cross-country relays. Um, but with only four guys, four spots in that team and and knowing that I would have come off kind of a marathon and, and marathon training, that's actually going to be quite a tough team for me to make. So we'll see. We'll just finish with some uh, quick fire questions, if that's all right with you. Sure. Um, so first one, if you could go for a run with any sports person, who would it be and, and where would you run? Oh, I think it would be Kipchoge, yeah. um, the person. Uh, <laughs> and I would run just on my local trail where I live. So um, that'd be great, yeah. Yeah, I thought with your, with your dog's name to give Jogi as well, so I thought that might be might be around. So you must have been pleased to see him back to his best. Yeah, it was great. It was really good, yeah. So I'd, um, I think I'd been working that night uh, or that evening and got back and was able to watch the final free day before, before I went to bed. So um, that was really good. Um, if you could go back and witness any sporting event in history live, what would it be? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, maybe Gebby Selassie and Turgat in like the Sydney Olympic 10,000. That would have been pretty exciting. Um, yeah, probably that. Yeah, that's a good choice. If you could only run like one race a year, so like an actual event every year, what would it be? I would go with... I think I think the Mansfield cross country relays are quite tough to beat. Yeah. Um, so I would go with them. If if I was more into cross country, then it would definitely be the National Cross, um, and that's probably my favourite race to watch, but not to compete in. Yeah, no, I've I've done Mansfield only once, and yeah, it, it's a brilliant event, isn't it? It just feels like a sprint from the start, and yeah, just a, a really fun event to to be involved in. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's just fun. It's just it's an enjoyable event to be with with your mates and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, and last quick fire question: If you could be a professional athlete in in any sport besides running, what would it be? Oh, that's tough. Um, I would choose. I quite like the NBA, so I, I would choose basketball. I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's never going to happen at five ten, but yeah, <laughs> basketball. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, good choice and. With just lastly, where can listeners find you on social media, Strava, Instagram, that kind of thing? Yeah, so most active on Instagram um, at Phil Sessman um, and then Strava. So um, both myself and my dog have got Strava. Um, so have a little follow. And, and I, uh, yeah, a little bit of a Strava warrior. So pretty much everything is on there. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much for your time. And um, like I say, best of luck 
this well this weekend at the big half and then with the rest of your, your marathon block leading into London it'll be yeah exciting to see how that goes so good luck nice one cheers George thank you very much see ya